episode one of our new sports podcast in the zone was so good that we decided to make another one jack eric we're back eric assistant sports editor jack staff writer i am caleb sports editor at the daily beacon and we are here to preview this weekend's matchups and some of the stuff that's happening we have had every technical difficulty so far this morning besides that eric jack how are y'all doing great it's a little early for me but i'm i'm hanging in there Doing well. It's my own fault that we're doing this so early because I have a class in half an hour. Less than half an hour. So we have a hard out, which means we're going to dive right into it. Eric talked to the UTSA football beat writer, sports editor yesterday. Sports editor. Tell us what he had to say about the Roadrunners. Well, he he um, he equated the match to... A David and Goliath type of matchup. I mean, that was, that was his, uh, he didn't really seem to think that there was a whole lot of chance. He mentioned, he mentioned some key players, but there was also, I mean, you have the Frank Harris situation where he has turf toe and he might not be available. So that he's been there seven years and without him, then there's not a huge chance of it upset, but I mean, it's always possible. And then you have he talked about um, not having their top receiver from last year. He transferred to Ole Miss, so they're kind of reaping, reaping the, not rewards, but they're reaping their own success, I guess, and of the past couple years. And then you have Trey Moore, who's their probably their best defensive player. He's he's not going to be there, or he's listed as questionable. So I mean, there's there's a lot of unknown with this team that um, that he that he was mentioning and um partly they've they're one and two it's been it's been a really tough schedule for them they they beat they beat texas state who beat baylor um but also they lost to i can't remember their week one matchup but they they lost to army or it was houston they lost to houston um by i think three points and um so there's a lot of this team is has been competitive but um but that's that's about all I can say. Yeah, you lose to TJ or you beat TJ Finley led Texas State who randomly beat Baylor. <laughs> lose to Army in Houston. They've won their conference championship, which is what we've heard Tennessee players echo, which is probably just a message that you can't take them lightly. They've won their past two conference championships. I mean, you I still think you treat this game as a tune-up going into this weekend, going into SEC play. Jack, what do you think should be the focus for Tennessee? Obviously, Yes, winning is number one, but when you're facing a team that is clearly a pay-to-win game, I mean, you're paying them almost $1.5 million, over $1.5 million. Reportedly, it's the most expensive pay game in a very long time. What is the message to the team? Are you trying to just win, or are you trying to get some freshmen in, trying to get some run for those guys, Jack? I mean, ideally, of course, you'd like to have it be a 3-4 score game by halftime. I mean, you'd, you'd like that in every game you play, but especially in a team like UTSA. And UTSA isn't exactly the strongest defense. I mean, they gave up over 440 yards to Army last week. But still, with that being said, the Tennessee offense hasn't looked all that great. So I think just starting on schedule on those first two or three drives, trying to get the offense moving, get some points on the board early is the key. And then... If there's a situation where you can start putting freshmen in, start putting backups in, that's great. 
If that doesn't happen, though, you just want to build momentum with that offense. Yeah, I, I think my score prediction was... I was at 27-7, Tennessee. I mean, we saw Austin P. We saw Virginia. We saw Florida last week. I could probably have said 27-14 to 14 and been a lot safer. <laughs> what did you go with, Eric, and why? I think I... If I remember correctly, I think I went with 38 to 14, which, I mean, my, according to Jack, I went for 41 to 10, which, I mean, it, it might be a little bit of a stretch. Um, it might, it might not be safe, but I mean, overall, I think, I think that Tennessee shows up. It is, it is a weird game sandwiched in between Florida and South Carolina. So that, that is definitely a... Um, contributing factor to everything as as much as coaches will say that it's not um, there's I don't I don't think you're in a point to be looking ahead at this point but you you can't help it all right Jack what about you I went 27 to 17 but just because I don't necessarily trust this Tennessee defense to not allow a couple scores Especially when you get into a situation, maybe it's late in the game, it's still a two-score game, UTSA is still hanging around. I don't, based on the last two weeks, I don't necessarily trust Tennessee to take care of business like they should. For that reason, I've said three touchdowns and two field goals for an offense that struggled makes a lot of sense to me, and then a couple touchdowns and a field goal for UTSA. Yeah, but, I mean, we've seen the defense come out against a lot lesser opponents. I mean, they played very good against Austin P in Virginia, moving up to, you know, top two in tackles for loss and sacks. Then you go to Florida and you don't play as well. I assume more than likely we will probably see the defense of the first two games uh, versus the defense that went to Gainesville and did not play very well. So before we move on to our rest, the rest of our predictions, pick from around college football, I found the contract I was talking about earlier. J.J. Perez, the publisher of UTSA Insiders, said that UTSA will receive $1.6 million for playing at Tennessee on Saturday, the largest guaranteed payment in UTSA program history. That's a lot of money. Yeah, and we've seen um, (laughs) pay games backfire before. Everybody remembers Georgia State. So (laughs) it's going to be just a matter of taking care of business on Saturday. So. We don't know what injuries will look like. We don't know who will play. Cooper Mays is still way up in the air. Danico Slaughter should, quote, should, end quote, be available on Saturday. So we'll see what that looks like. But now I feel like we've talked enough about Tennessee. We can pivot to some other college football predictions. One of the games in our pickums this week that Jack really is looking forward to is Ohio State at Notre Dame. Jack is high on the Fighting Irish. Why don't we let Jack preview that game for us? So, if you follow student media poll, which you may or may not do, I I have voted Notre Dame as the number two team in the country the last couple weeks. The reason for that is because I think that Sam Hartman brings a very new dimension to this Notre Dame offense. They've taken care of business against the teams they should beat. The offense looked really good against NC State a couple weeks ago, and I don't really see any reason why that wouldn't continue. Ohio State has had some question marks. They struggled out of the gates against Indiana. I don't necessarily trust Ohio State to go into South Bend and take care of business, and for that reason, I picked Notre Dame to win. I picked Notre Dame for the simple fact that I don't trust Ohio State's offense, and 
even their defense is not very good, and I don't expect Ryan Day to be able to fix both sides of the ball before Saturday. Notre Dame will hit you with that power run game with Sam Hartman, who still bewilders me that a quarterback in the transfer portal went to Notre Dame, but he did, and they've had success thus far. Eric, what was your pick for Ohio State and Notre Dame on Saturday? I believe it was Ohio State. Um, there's not there's not a particular reason other than, I mean, I've been entrenched in Tennessee sports for like for the beginning of this um this season uh I haven't I've paid attention obviously to other teams as I should but I mean I think I think I did fall into a little bit of um recency bias in the fact of Ohio State showing up in games like that whether um whether they just, I mean, was it last year? They played last year, right? And it was like it was a not a very pretty game. It was. It was very, also in Columbus. Yes. So we'll that, that it wasn't in South Bend, with a, uh, what is it? Football Jesus. What do they have? Touchdown Jesus. Touchdown Jesus painted in the end zone. <laughs> that was also Tommy Reese coaching Tyler Buckner in that offense. We saw how that turned out. Good transition, Jack. Ole Miss travels. To Tuscaloosa. I think Ole Miss is going to win this game because Ole Miss can score and Alabama cannot. Jack? I think that over the past, what is it now, 15 years, Nick Saban has proved to us that you don't doubt Alabama. Even when they've struggled out of the gate a little bit, they've always gotten it back together. And Jalen Milrow, who's going to become, who's going to start for Tennessee, start for Alabama on Saturday, excuse me, is definitely a stronger quarterback than both Buckner and Simpson. Because of that, I don't necessarily think this offense is going to struggle. And Alabama's defense struggled a bit against Texas, but looked to get it back together against, admittedly, a weaker South Florida team. So I just have more trust in Nick Saban's consistency than I do in Lane Kiffin, and for that reason, I'm picking Alabama. Okay, you talk about... Jalen Milrow, he's not going to be passing the ball. He's definitely just the choice to run the option or be a threat to run the ball. I don't think you can trust Jalen Milrow's arm to win you this game. And I'm 99% sure y'all said the same thing about never doubt Nick Saban when I picked Texas. (laughs) I was the only person to pick Texas, and we saw what happened there. So, Eric, you are up. Ole Miss, (coughs) Ole Miss or Alabama? I mean, like Jack, I'm... I still expect Bama to win. I do. Once again, I fall into recency bias and history bias, I guess, at this point with Nick Saban. Um, but I mean, I don't. I don't know what this game is going to look like. I, I predict. I do predict Bama to win. I think it'll be close. But I mean, Jalen. It all. It really all depends on how the offense is more. I guess transitioned into if if it's more built around Jalen Milo's strengths. So he's not obviously he's not going to beat you with his arm. Um, he he had he had a he had a good throw to Jermaine Burton and um, in the Texas game that kind of like that kind of brought them back. But um, I think he can make those throws not consistently. But I mean he you have his legs to think of. But then also on Ole Miss's side you have Quinshad Judkins who is obviously a very good running back. And then, um, so I, I still pick Bama to win. 
Um, like I said, it's it's recency bias for me again, which I shouldn't be falling into, but I am. <laughs> All right, let's go to our next game that was on the Pickums. Last week, Florida State almost got upset by Jack Church's hometown team, the Boston College Eagles, <laughs> the Fighting Eagles. Now, Florida State travels to Clemson for a game which, if I'm not mistaken, is at noon, which is horrible football. <laughs> but I think I don't see a way Cle- – I mean, I see a way Clemson wins this game. I don't think Clemson will win this game. I picked Florida State. I mean, Jordan Travis, Keon Coleman – that connection is electric. Florida State, everybody has their stinker game. Tennessee has had several stinker games. I think it would be safe to say that Florida State was looking ahead to Clemson. I feel like it's very hard to travel up to Boston College and get excited for that game. So, Jack, what do you see happening with Florida State and Clemson? And Boston College also had the red bandana game where they honor an alumnus who died in 9-11. Mm-hmm. So Boston College is always going to be amped up for that game. And Florida State will not be. And Florida State will not be. <laughs> as much as I like going over Boston. With that being said, um, when Clemson's entire offense is Will Shipley, <laughs> they're not going to have success moving the ball. They couldn't move the ball on Mike Elko's Duke. I don't expect them to move the ball on Mike Norvell's Florida State. I think Florida State wins this game fairly easily. Yeah, I'm curious to see what that Clemson offense looks like. Because it's getting to the point where you question if Dabo's refusal to recruit more than one quarterback, refusal to use a transfer portal, refusal to buy in the NIL is going to start, you know, obviously not paying off in the long run. But, uh, Eric, what do you see happening between the Seminoles and the Clemson Tigers? I think, like, Jack, FSU takes this one easily. I mean, like like you said, it's completely run through Will Shipley. I mean, you saw it in the – Orange Bowl last last year, like I mean, I think he he ran for what a hundred yards. He had he had some cool plays. He had the hurdle, and but other than that, there just there just wasn't much to like. He's he's a good player, but he's not going to carry them past a very good team in FSU. And you have to think, like you said, the red bandana game is always like it always comes against FSU, right? Or for the most part, it's usually Boston College's biggest game, whether that's Florida State, Clemson, whoever. Gotcha. So yeah, I mean. So you have that to take into consideration, and then, um, so I, I don't, I could be wrong, but I think that game is always like a pretty close game during the red bandana. But you also you have to think Florida State. I think was up. What were they up at halftime? Like 30, 31-14 at halftime. So yeah, I don't think they scored in the second half. So I mean that does. So it was thirty-one to. They didn't score in the fourth quarter. It was thirty-one to sixteen after the third quarter, and then Boston College made like made that comeback at the end, and then you had you had the penalty. I mean, it was it did almost come down to um, a final Boston College drive, but then they had a they had a offsides or was it offsides face mask face mask That's what it was. On was that third and he just absolutely long. the worst spot to have yeah, a penalty and. So I mean, that is I mean that is a concern for them, but I think, given all the circumstances, I think um, I think FSU is the better team. They have the I mean they have the better playmaker in Jordan Travis. They have um, wide receiver Keon Coleman, who is a stud. 
I, I don't think there's any way Clemson wins this. Yeah, I, I would agree. Let's pivot over to prime time. Colorado at Oregon. Now, this is an interesting one. I picked Oregon. If Travis Hunter was playing, I think I would have picked Colorado. What do you think, Jack? Well, first of all, primetime's playing at 12.30 local, which can't help. Can it? <laughs> no, it cannot, but at least it's not 12.30 our time. Yes. Um, Superior time zone, Eastern. Mm-hmm. But I, especially with Travis Hunter out, I I think Oregon's going to kind of have their way with Colorado. I mean, Bo Nix is locked in with this new offense. He's focused. He's having fun. Wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if he's a dark horse for the Heisman. So with that all being said, I think that I honestly think that I think the spreads around two or three scores. I think Oregon's going to win by about that much. I don't see a path towards Colorado winning this game. Huh. I wonder what primetime <clears throat> says after the game if they lose by four scores to Colorado or four score Colorado loses by four scores to Oregon. You think he'll he'll have his shades and cowboy hat on? Yeah, I'd say he'd have the shades on. The blenders. <laughs> not cowboy hat, but which I may or may not have pre-ordered. <laughs> Eric, what is your prediction for Colorado at Oregon? I think I think Oregon runs away with this one. You have to think Colorado's a team that doesn't really have a defense, especially with Travis Hunter out not not locking down the corners or on the corner, then I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I don't see a path for Colorado to win this. They're a one-dimensional offense with Shadur Sanders. They don't have a run game. I mean, that doesn't, that doesn't scream success offensively. I mean, it, it has translated to it, but I don't think a team who, I mean, they are only in their second year under Dan Lanning, but I mean, they are a team who didn't lose much in the, if I'm not mistaken, they didn't lose much in the Mario Cristobal transfer over to, not transfer, but you know what I'm saying. The coaching change, yeah. Coaching change. So I, I think, I don't know if I'd say cover, but, well, no, I pick, I pick Oregon to cover. So we have four minutes until Jack has to go to class. So we're going to end with a game that Jack called the Pac-12 Championship. Oregon State at Washington State. Well, no one else counts because they're not going to be in the conference. It's like when it's like when James <laughs> Madison left the CAA and the the CAA decided they weren't allowed to play in the basketball tournament. Oregon State and Washington State should just say nobody's nobody else is allowed to play in the football championship. It's just a pack two. But with that being said, this is incredible to say, but DJ Uyunglele looks like a very good quarterback in this Oregon State system. But it's Wazoo. I, understand. I picked Washington State. I don't think you can out Washington State, Washington State. I like DJ, and I liked watching Oregon State in their game. I think they had the Week Zero game against like San Diego State. But I just don't think Oregon State can pull it off, especially on the road. It's kind of a weird – Pac-12 on the road is always kind of weird. Weird stuff happens. Is this a Pac-12 after dark game at least? No, it's a 12.30 local. Ooh. No, it's a 4 o'clock local. It's not so bad. It's 7 yeah, p.m. It's Eastern. So bad. What's your what's your prediction, Jack? I think I think Oregon State wins this game. I think the Beavers beat the Cougars. I think that with Uyunglele coming in, I mean Washington State did have that good win against Wisconsin. I just don't know if that's sustainable for them. I don't necessarily trust this Washington State team to continue to maintain that success like I do with Oregon State. Yeah, I see it. I 
It's going to be a weird. It's going to be like the most Pac-12 game ever, where right. you just have two quarterbacks absolutely airing it out. What did you go with, Eric? I mean, for me, I went with Wazoo also. Um, I think, I mean, like you said, they played Wisconsin and they were tested. I think so. I mean, I whenever to me, I see a team who is tested and comes out on top as a good team. And Oregon State really hasn't been tested. Not not that they're not a good team, but I think I think that does in their first. I mean, their their three games are San Jose State, UC Davis, and San Diego State. That doesn't scream. Oh, we've been we've been batted around, and but we we came out. But I mean, that's not that's not the most foolproof way to pick games. But I think I think when a team gets tested, it says a lot about the team. And and Oregon State hasn't hasn't been tested yet. So I think I think that will cause a lot of growing pains. And I think Washington State wins this one. All right. So Jack has one minute before he has to leave for the the music building. We've hit. 21 minutes on our preview podcast here. So I say that wraps up everything up. We went through all our games, previewed some Tennessee. We'll have a lot more to talk about on our preview next week when South Carolina comes to town. But until then, it's just the the Roadrunners from the University of Texas, San Antonio. So for Eric Woods and Jack (laughs) Church, I am Caleb Jaro, and this has been another episode of In the Zone, the Daily Beacon Sports Podcast.